What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Pisgah Podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Angler, and that is Drew, and you are listening to Pisgah. We're coming to you live from the Pinbar Checkpoint on Laurel Mountain. So what is in the news this week? It's a slow news week, but not a no news week. The Sea Otter Classic happened in Monterey, California this past weekend with lots of new products being introduced to the market. Products that are not going to be available for another year, probably. Yep, that's true. But there was some for fun style racing that happens at this event, too. You know, recent Pisgah podcast guest and Pisgah Forest local Nika Malali placed second in the downhill on a modified trail bike. Maybe that's a down DH, perhaps, or maybe even trail plus. I don't know. And North Carolina shredder Carolyn Washam placed a fourth in the women's downhill. And, you know, most East Coasters don't, you know, usually go to Sea Otter unless their sponsors make them. So it's neat to see any of them, you know, out there and placing well. Yeah, Sea Otter in October is pretty bizarro, but, you know, I'm, I'm glad that any events like this are back and perhaps the calendar was ready for a shuffle and, uh, Another event that got shuffled, uh, Pinbar. It missed 2020, just like most events, but this past weekend was the Pisgah Mountain Bike Adventure Race. It was back on, and uh, some interesting results. So, coming in uh, with an adjusted time of just over eight hours was uh, the team of Ethan Burns and Keith Smoyer, and uh, they ranked first with an adjusted time of just over nine hours was Michael Hudson and Matt Crawford. Uh, coming in third with an adjusted time of just shy of nine hours, nine and a half hours, was uh, John Haddock and Michael Jarzmoski. I'm sorry if I said that incorrectly. It and uh, fourth, the team of Rich Dillon and Watts Dixon coming in at nine hours and 41 minutes. And for fifth place, we have the team of Tony Zafino and Adam Penny coming in at just shy of 10 hours adjusted time. Wow, that is a lot of time on the bike to be hoofing it around in Pisgah. Elevation profile-wise, I'm seeing like most of those, you know, top teams are doing like, you know, eleven to 13,000 feet of climbing. So to really make that even more badass is third and fourth place were both on single speeds. Yep, exactly. And uh, I guess the, the fourth place team of uh, Rich Dillon and Watts uh, Dixon, those guys have done this event, I think, Rich has probably done this. Uh, he's he's probably done more pin bars than have actually been hosted. So, uh, <laughs> definitely so. I reckon he probably should place in the top five. And, and also, those dudes don't live in Western North Carolina. Both of those are like Piedmont dudes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Not for the faint. Not for the faint. Yep. Those dudes know how to put themselves in the hole. Yeah, I think that's for people that hate fun. If you're coming out here to ride single speeds for ten hours. Oh, yeah. Uh, so in more forest-related news, the seasonal trails are opening up October 15th. Now, this used to kind of mean something a little bit more when Bennett Gap was a seasonal trail. But, you know, still, we've got some stuff to look forward to. Uh, you know, we've got pink beds opening up, only the north side of it. Then we've got, we've got the south side of Coon Tree, which drops off of Bennett Gap, is uh, seasonal. And then... Uh, see what else we got north slope and then the ever popular butter gap to cat gap loop which currently 
is going to require some creative route planning to ride that because as it stands right now, the fish hatchery parking lot is still closed and also 475 west of the Daniel Ridge Trailhead parking is closed up to Gloucester Gap. So with both of those accesses kind of closing off, you're kind of stuck with two routes to ride that and it's going to either make a big loop or quite the interesting out and back with either 475C or going all the way up uh, Courthouse Creek Road. So Drew, uh, what route would you choose? I would probably just out and back, to be honest. So either you're driving in along Forest Road from the other side of Brevard or you're pedaling up a lot of Forest Road to get there and descending a lot of Forest Road. Yeah. You lose a lot of elevation on those forest roads just to make it happen. You do. Doesn't seem worth it. Let's just stay on the uh, the other side of the forest for the time being and let nature take care of things. Let the Forest Service take care of what they need to clean up. Uh, I don't blame you. Yeah, you know, the seasonal trails are, it, it always to me marks the official end of the summer. The weekend before last, there was an event at the Riveter that also signals the end of the summer. It was the second annual Harvest Jam. And so I sat down with Joey and Elizabeth from the Riveter and got some information on the event and the Riveter in general. Awesome. Look forward to hearing this. Well, thank you guys so much for doing this with me. The Harvest Jam was last weekend and it was an excellent event. Perfect way to kind of sign off the summer and, uh, Looks like you guys had a pretty decent turnout with it too, huh? We did, we were real excited. We doubled our numbers from last year. I think the vibe overall was what we were really going for um, was a huge success. Yeah, you could tell like the excitement was high and everyone in general, like vibe wise was just stoked and just felt like an old school jam, which was definitely a goal of ours. So I always like the jam format versus like having to tally points and things like that because you can't really tell somebody from the beginning of the day to the end of the day might have made some progress with themselves and that could be markably better than the person that can on command just pull things you know definitely yeah it was definitely important for us to utilize the jam format just because of even like the hype of going through a jam where like last year for example like michael whitehead won best trick but it took him mm-hmm. the whole session to even land what he was trying right so you know definitely motivates people to try stuff they might not normally do <laughs> for sure especially with eyes on you <laughs> yeah. yeah i think it goes along with our sort of general mission of being inclusive in general and that people can come here and they can do tricks and it's less intimidating because there's not scores and there's not this mm-hmm. criteria they have to meet and it's not a very um buttoned up registration or anything like that it's a lot more casual and people can really come in and show out and relax a little bit while they do it so this was the second year of the event and you did mention that you doubled your numbers from the year before what what are the origins of this event how where, where did the idea come from we started talking about the first harvest jam right around the same conversations as the corn being cut down in the farm area, the Riveter property. So we're always talking about random ideas about new lines and like all kinds of cool stuff to build. So around that same time, we started talking about how it'd be fun to have a jam towards, you know, moving into fall. We just had a general idea of like hosting a really fun, good times oriented jam event. Um, We really wanted it to represent like the vibe that we try to put off and, Mm -hmm. you know, 
what we're about. So I know Elizabeth and Walker Shaw at the time and multiple others started organizing their ideas and very quickly thereafter, that's when the first Harvest Jam was put together towards the end of um, October in 2020. Nice. You guys built a whole new line for that one, right? We did. Yeah. In two mm-hmm. weeks. In two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It was very much put together as we were watching the corn being plowed and realizing that we had a lot more land that was out of the flood zone that we could mm-hmm. potentially put something fun on that was a little bit of a different style than what we have on our other lines. Right. Make some excitement for people to come out that are used to riding this place and maybe, you know, they're not used to riding that line yet. So Exactly. That was definitely like a fun factor with that event. Mm-hmm. So. That was cool. And on the first year, it was just a six-pack gym, and you guys went to the single jump kind of thing this year. Yeah, last year, I think we literally, that was like the phrase that we used. If you come from like old-school BMX world, you'd know it, but we were like, we want a DK Dirt Circuit. DK Dirt Circuit. Six-pack. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly what was built. So. Yeah. Yeah, fairly quickly, <laughs> but um, mm-hmm. uh, we were lighting log fires on the jumps at night like trying to dry them out and just really going through it but it was pretty epic yeah ended up being pretty fun yeah <laughs> i think this year it was easier to pull out the trick jump and just focus on that for the jam because we did also build the whole new dirt jump trail style line yeah. in mm-hmm. the park that's going to stay so um it felt like we could focus the actual event on the competition side down at the trick jump and just make it a little bit more accessible to, to everyone right. and mm-hmm. something that we definitely focus on is the um, amateur and the young riders that we have here and it's pretty amazing to watch them over the last year and a half that we've been open some of the locals and the members that are young and then the show out that we had last year we realized that we definitely want to make sure this year mm-hmm. that the we had an am category and we let those people come up and um show us what they had to so that was where the trick jump came into play works pretty good yeah (laughs) i I definitely like the old school vibes of like a single jump too Uh (laughs) yeah so that was pretty fun like the old school days at least you guys had you know a good place to roll in from yeah remember the the old school days you'd have to like you know pedal really fast across the field right well joey was trying to throw a picnic table on top of the drop-in like (laughs) right before (laughs) give you a little more juice sure We just draw the line somewhere. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> what, so what was the turnout like for amateurs? Um, it was good. I don't know. I don't remember the exact like numbers or anything like that. But um, I feel like the, the AM jam was almost the same amount of participants as the like quote-unquote pro jam. Sure. So. Yeah, it was solid. And, we, and what was cool is we had a lot of people we've never seen here before, which you, know, you kind of expect those locals or those regulars that you know mm-hmm. come in here and practice their tricks or practice their whips, their... We knew they were going to show up, but it was neat to see some other people from around the area. And people traveled up from Florida, from Miami, mm-hmm. and down from New York. And yeah, New Hampshire. Cool. That's definitely like one of our main focuses with the park is like pushing the younger scene. Absolutely. That was a, one of our main focuses this year with the jam was to have an amateur category. Mm-hmm. And with it being jam format, we didn't want to have like you know 10 different events by like ages or anything like that so we kept it really simple just Mm -hmm. like am was 15 and under and and pro was any age if you wanted to enter that so right um, but yeah it was important for us to include that in the jam because it's such a big part of who we are so yeah for sure i feel like especially for the locals you probably have more returning locals that are young 
mm-hmm. versus you know people that are able to drive themselves here maybe <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> well you'd, you'd be surprised honestly yeah really yeah i feel like we have a really good mix mm-hmm. but yeah you know like some of the older riders they're already pretty much lifers so right yeah um, some of the younger riders you know can go any direction at any time so we really want to try to hook them into For sure. the lifestyle so but i think one thing they're probably <laughs> just as psyched about are you know the the quote unquote pros that are coming you know gives them something to watch as well instead of just uh, a competition for them to try to show up and present something they can also get some inspiration from those other people that are showing up absolutely and that's what um you know one of the pros that came david lee mm-hmm. spoke to me afterwards about how cool it was when he grew up he would go to skate parks and mm-hmm. get to watch see some older riders that he you know looked up to or were kind of mentors for him but it's cool to have here what he was noticing is that all these young riders are riding right next to him right you know right behind him right in front Mm of him um and that's really what it's all about and that was you know one of the most beautiful things that happened last year at harvest jam was to look out across all the lines and there's just trains of Mm -hmm. riders coming down every single line and everybody's grinning and yelling and um and having yeah. a blast and this year it was you know like i said twice as many people coming down co- constantly and um it's really cool to see that the the young people definitely are are inspired by all those older riders and right more advanced riders and then you get the older riders here about putting that money up <laughs> exactly. I got to feel like some of the, the pros that showed up, you know, they didn't really have events last year. Right. So I bet a lot of them are kind of hungry and they see those, those prize dollars put up and that gives them some motivation to show up too. Definitely. Well, and we didn't have, you know, it was not an invite situation. Mm-hmm. So anybody could show up and yeah. if they can win it, they get it. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely a good wild card with that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, I feel like that turned out pretty good. Yeah, it can be stressful because you don't know exactly who's going to show up, uh-huh. you know, and um, and we definitely wanted to be able to put on a show for the spectators and and everybody that's mm-hmm. involved. I was psyched on everybody that turned out and people we'd never heard of before. It was pretty cool. Yeah, that's definitely the beauty of a jam format event. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. it it takes an intimidation factor away from it for sure, and and the energy gets amped up because of that i I definitely agree and uh, you know we had am versus pro for turnout what about uh participation numbers with bmx versus mountain bike riders is that something that you kept track of or is that a factor in any of it i wouldn't say we keep track by numbers you know there's no Mm -hmm. um there's no one actually out there tallying that or keeping tabs on that but we definitely watch it all the time Um, we're always curious Mm -hmm. you know who our riders are and I would say it really was probably 50 50 yeah Um, honestly Mm -hmm. I know I personally didn't keep count right uh, who was riding on a BMX bike or a mountain bike or DJ or whatever even coming from like a BMX background like personally doesn't make any difference to me yeah you know and that's why I ask because in my BMX days it mattered to a lot of people you didn't yeah, want to yeah. get pigeonholed as the mountain bike spot yeah you know uh but now it seems like there's a lot of cross-pollination and there's a lot of support you know like mm-hmm. dirt jumpers or dirt jumpers whether they're on 
mountain bikes or BMX or street riders or street riders, whether they're on what bike they're on or not. So right. uh, it really feels like it's gotten a lot more accepted and there's a lot more cross-pollination between the two. Definitely. We had like slope style professional riders here. Mm-hmm. And then we also had like street BMX legends like Corey Martinez and right. Seth Kimbrough here just mm-hmm. chilling. So um, it's pretty cool. Yeah, especially nowadays with, with how blurry everything's getting. Um, it's pretty cool to have a spot like that we have that, you know, mm-hmm. we're watching too, you know. For sure. We I think it's exciting because we're used to seeing more frequently, you know, BMX riders doing some of the more yeah. gnarlier uh-huh. tricks and, um, <laughs> and height and right. things like that. But there are people out there with some heavy mountain bikes that are mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> thrown just, down. Just and roasting. Yeah, yeah, it was super impressive um, yeah. to me anyway. Right. Yeah, that's how I like to look at it. I'm like, we're like a trail spot or a dirt jump spot. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you're going to come out and ride and lap it up all day and straight up just hang and have a good time, then, you know, that's the vibe we're looking for. So it doesn't really, to me, it doesn't matter as much as... Mm-hmm maybe it did when I was younger or something, but, sure. <laughs> but, um, I mean, if you're roasting higher than anyone else, like mm-hmm. do you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm with that. I I'm totally with that. It's just, uh, yeah, there's like a generational component to that and I'm glad it's gotten to where it is now. Definitely. So pretty cool. <laughs> and so obviously you guys have good feelings about the event and you know, how it picked up from last year. Did you get any feedback from any of the participants? I feel like, um, you know, we were like pretty full speed ahead the whole time. Yeah. Like, you know, doing like the logistics and stuff. So, but I just felt like an overall, like everyone just had a great time. We've gotten, we've gotten multiple messages on, um, social, our social media account that from riders that came out that were like, I had no idea. I can't wait to come back. Right. You know, just how much fun it was the whole day Mm -hmm. and the whole feeling of it. And that's, you know, when I talk about numbers doubling, it's nothing to do with really how many people here. It's how the energy felt. Yeah. It's just even right. bigger, you know, and mm-hmm. um, and stronger. And that's what we really, it's the hardest thing to control. Mm-hmm. And it's the most important thing for at the end of the day. How does it feel? How did people feel when they were here? And for sure. What was their experience? And that's where I quantify our success on the event was that at the end of the day, everybody I talked to, everybody that's reached out afterwards, our mm-hmm. sponsors are so stoked. They can't wait for next year and what we're going to do. And, you know, Anthony with Subaru that was here, he could not quit grinning <laughs> and Good. just kept saying, this is the most fun event we do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that, that is, that's what it's all about for sure. us, for sure. Yeah, and that's another good thing about the jam format is that energy is just contagious. And that's kind of yeah. what, like, you know, gets everybody yeah. to kind of raise what they're doing for sure. Totally. Yeah. And you have to give a big shout out to Will for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Will's great. He was amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's been, like, a pleasure to work with, like, last year and this year. Yeah. So he really knows, like, exactly what we're going for. Like yeah. right off the bat, wasn't it didn't even need to be communicated that deeply. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's cool that he's uh, involved cuz I know it all the races that he calls. Yeah. He knows everybody there. Yeah. Everybody knows him. I wonder how it was for him. It would have been interesting to ask him about, you know, any yeah. of the cross-pollination he sees between the racers and then, you know, a freestyle event like this. Yeah. I feel like he knew a good 
quantity of the riders. Sure. Because we thought about that too when we were trying to figure out like what events to hold at the jam, mm -hmm. you know, because we also have a ton of racers. We have a ton of freestyle riders. That's a big part of why we did a whip off. Right. You know, yeah. Is so that if you raced, you could enter an event mm -hmm. and, you know, didn't have to be able to do a trick to be able to sure. participate in an event at the, you know, at the jam. So yeah, the whip off was, you know, that was considered mm -hmm. and then best trick obviously was on the other side. So that's uh, a good segue into my next question, actually for the whip off, you know, judging best trick, you got criteria for that. What would be the judging criteria for who did the best whip? Yeah, I would definitely say it was like, it was clear. Yeah, it, <laughs> it was, was clear, clear. <laughs> I but it was <laughs> definitely a noticeably harder event to judge yeah. for sure. You'd like take your personal um, opinions mm -hmm. into account. And that's why it was important to have multiple of us. Right. And then, um, yeah, I mean, going into it, we were just like, who's going to throw the nastiest whip? And then when 10 people do, you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, um, I know Eric Hitchell had like it broken down. Yeah. So I can't remember what he wrote. <laughs> but um, yeah, we were just honestly like just just looking to just on the surface what what we thought mm -hmm. you know entertained us the most and entertained everybody. So I think that's fair because the way that you throw a BMX bike versus the way you throw a mountain bike are two different things, and even a dirt jumper versus you know a trail bike. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and trail bike won. Yeah, but um, I mean right. it was. It's one of those things you can't describe, but you know it when you saw it, and yeah. we all saw it, and it was yeah. definitely a clear win. We were definitely looking at, like, obviously who's the most sideways, but, um, like, who's also, like, the highest. But you can get sideways and not pull it back. Yeah. Like, um... Yeah, we were talking about how it's kind of, like, there had to be a tiebreaker where you're, like, it's a little nuance where you kind of... Mm -hmm. Right. They're both that high, or they both got that sideways, but right. who, maybe who, like... Yeah. styled it better mm -hmm. you know and yeah like logan collins he, he got third but yeah. he was just like it was beautiful to mm -hmm. watch you know mm -hmm. so. and, and he put the bike down probably straighter than most of them in my opinion mm -hmm. yeah. so that was a tough one for sure yeah. <laughs> yeah. and then judging for best trick yeah that one um was definitely a lot easier <laughs> yeah <laughs> but um you know originality difficulty skill level mm -hmm. all that type of stuff so I think, um, like Kevin Castaño, he did like a Superman seat grab yeah. to whip, never even touched the bike with his foot. I know. Like, I think like knowing exactly what he was doing, like that blew me away, you know? Mm -hmm. And then David Lee murdered it. For so sure. I, you know, that was one of the most difficult parts was labeling what best trick they did. Like, in, you know, Will yeah. was helpful with that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He, he would nail uh -huh. it from up above. You know, like David killed it. I could have named three tricks he did that could have, mm -hmm. you know, got that spot. But, um, so yeah, that was actually the most difficult part about that category was labeling, you know, cause those three riders did mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff. Um, so yeah, but definitely easier than a whip off, but just as entertaining for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I would agree. Mm -hmm. And I think some of the riders too, they were more impressed with themselves than the judges were like, yeah. when they would pull something and they were just so psyched that they got it and you know, yeah. they just didn't even go back to the top of the hill afterwards <laughs> right they just rode off into yeah, the wind like, yeah, I, I came i did what i came to do and that's that yeah definitely and that's part of the reason we did the crowd pleaser awards and the most stoked because mm -hmm. last year we were just kind of you know our first time we were like we'll have 
top three, whatever. And then we realize there's so many people that come that are just as fun to watch and maybe they're not the pulling out the best right. trick, but uh-huh. you want to, you know, recognize them mm-hmm. and, and shout, give them a shout out. And we have so many good industry friends and sponsors that were giving us swag for the event. So we were like, spread it product. far. Yeah, yeah. We're like, let's give it out. And um, I'm really glad to hear you say that because I don't think that's something that a lot of people that maybe are not entered even kind of feel that 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 progression and and like stealing energy from other people or like getting you know building off of their energy thing that they're doing and so i it it makes me happy to hear that that's something that other people notice besides maybe just myself i don't know (laughs) yeah yeah for sure i'm with you yeah yeah, some of the brands we we work with were psyched on specifically sponsoring yeah. those categories. Yeah, we too, sent so. them the categories, and we had to actually turn, you know, we had to redirect yeah, some of the sponsors because okay. a lot of them wanted that. They were like, "Yes, you know, like, we're all stoked. about the yes, most That's uh-huh. what we want to. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, notable participants. I already mentioned David Lieb, mm-hmm. yeah. Seth Kimbrough, Corey Martinez. Is anybody else that showed up come to mind? We were talking about it actually. And um, we were like, you know what? Like at the end of the conversation, we were like, we were just stoked on everyone that rode. Mm -hmm. Like honestly, just because even some of the riders that weren't in, you know, top 10, like we're still just like going so hard that like it just created the overall vibe that we wanted. Yeah. You know, without them, we potentially wouldn't have had the, the riding experience we wanted so i honestly i had a hard time trying to think of yeah you know i mean i could think of people's names but you well, know, and we were overall, to see just in general that's fair some of our members that are we see ride here all the time and they do mm-hmm. like stephen penland's name came yeah, up yeah. because he's a regular yeah, friend yeah. of ours and he does a lot of tricks here but that day he was pushing it and yeah. it was so fun to watch him in that element you know that we haven't seen him in before and did almost landed 720. 720. It was close. Close. He close. almost did. Yeah. Well, good good job, Stephen, for almost <laughs> yeah. getting there. I was pulling for you. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah that, I was pretty impressed with that. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And just you can only hit the dirt so many times and get up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He kept walking back up, and I was I was pretty happy for him. <laughs> and I was psyched too because I I ran into a friend of mine that I haven't seen since probably 2002, and he was here with his family, and yeah, uh, he rode earlier in the day and decided not to necessarily be competitive, but you know it was cool to catch up with somebody that mm-hmm. I had no intention of running into at an event like this too. Yeah. Yeah. That um, that was actually something EJ came up with for the entry fees mm-hmm. like you don't have to just enter the contest you know sometimes you go to a contest and you're like i want to ride but i'm not going to enter mm-hmm. um, and she came up with like just get a riding pass yeah. that way you can just Flat ride route. in the trains all day sure like you don't have to enter so that was kind of cool like during the events like i was sitting there and for a second i'd look up and i just see these massive trains through the lines i'm yeah. like whoa like feels like a music festival or something <laughs> it, it, it really did feel like kind of a music festival was, well we yeah. did have dj logic there True. which was amazing and he was so stoked afterwards he kept talking about how how fun it was to try to time his mixing and right with the, his music with everybody's tricks and with people hitting the jump and that's interesting you know, that's something yeah. i would have never thought about that's and i felt cool. it you know like uh-huh. now that you think about it you're like yeah he there was a lot yeah. of times that it was just like this beautiful moment where david lee 
did some crazy trick mm -hmm. and the music just dropped right then. Right. <laughs> That's cool. I'm glad he was paying attention to that too. That, yeah. that also just helps the environment altogether. What I, I don't remember who exactly podiumed for each event. You guys want to go through that? For the Subaru Best Trick um, in pro, it was David Lieb. He won. Mm -hmm. Second was Kevin Castagna. Um, and then Christian Earhart. Okay. In um, AM, it was uh, Call Your Key, Luca Jones, and then Tyler Gavin. Right on. So that was Best Trick. Um, in the Red Bull Whip Off, it was um, Ryan McGarry, Blake Woody, and then Logan Collin. And then in AM, it was uh, Ethan Christ. Sean Nicosia, I think that's how you pronounce it. <laughs> and then call your key again. Cool. So, yeah, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, those uh, key kids come from a, a thoroughbred. Yeah. Gosh, they're awesome. Yeah. Their that, whole family is great. They really are. Yeah, he had a cast on the whole time, too. I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that until the end. I didn't either. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. You did get hurt. <laughs> Just didn't care. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, any any unique ideas for uh, next year's Harvest Jam or any other future events? Well, we tend to kind of, you know, listen to what our community's looking for. I, you know, part of how we built this bike park was trying to, to fit a niche that wasn't filled here before um, with having a space where people can come in session at any um, skill level and uh, any ambition level, right. you know, whether they're trying to go big or just get more comfortable on their bike or just have fun with their friends. And like Joey said in the beginning, the Harvest Gym definitely evolved from a random day of us sitting out there looking at what we want to do next and watching the corn go away. And this year was the same kind of thing with adding the new line and the trick jump. And so I'll confess, I have not quit thinking about it since Saturday, <laughs> and I have some ideas, but, um, you know, yeah. we're, we're continuously taking in the feedback from everybody and kind of thinking about how we can do it better. We got really lucky with the weather, mm -hmm. so I definitely want to bomb-proof that a little better for yeah. next year just in case so we can make sure that whatever we do can go off without a hitch. Sure. And then we have a couple of ideas of some other events. You know, I would love to do something like that mm -hmm. more than once a year. Mm -hmm. And we have a lot of sponsor interest to have some conversations around that. So we'll see. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, we haven't like formally met and discussed any plans or mm -hmm. stuff like that. We've just been throwing ideas at each other since. Right. We're pretty collaborative, so we'll come up with a, you know, a good idea pretty soon, probably. Mm -hmm. Excellent. But um, yeah. Personally, what do you want to see? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I can give you a list. I don't know if it's going to be attainable. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take it. Personally, I really like to continue to push all the AM events. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's important because that's obviously how you see the next level of pros for mm -hmm. one. But, you know, also like, you know, as far as that goes, anybody's got ideas, right? Anybody can say, hey, you should build a 30 foot tall roll in but the <laughs> things that you can actually accomplish and pull off with the resources that you have it's more important to do the best you can with what you have versus trying to make something that's not organic or not it just doesn't fit into the environment or to the infrastructure that you have right yeah that's important to us to be mm -hmm. as authentic as possible so for sure I know I'm going to be thinking about a lot of the AM stuff mm -hmm. just because I think, you know, because I'm personally interested. Um, I'm just going to be thinking about how to make the trick jump bigger. <laughs> <laughs> so you can kind of see where 
You, know, you got to tow people in with we a motorcycle or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can more, start pic- to, more picnic tables. Yeah. You can start to see the, the start of the smoothie. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For the bike park in general, is it, compared to the rest of this, this facility is just amazing for one. So, Thank you. Uh, hats off to that. But the, the bike park, you know, in relation to the other things you offer here, I mean, it is is it safe to say that it's you know 40 to 50 percent of of what's happening here or is it yeah we um i would say that it's been an odd year to Mm -hmm. really give an accurate response to that you know um we were able to open back up after the shutdown in the bike park only for Mm -hmm. three months so from may till september of last year that was all we had and then we were able to open the climbing gym to members only because of capacity restrictions. So, and that was from September to May of this year. So it's hard to say exactly what the norm will be, but since the summer, um, it's definitely proven to be, you know, equally vital to the business as the climbing gym is. And I mean, with heavy use comes upkeep. Uh, the other question I was gonna have is, you know, as far as like, maintenance and keeping things fresh and and changing it up but what do you guys do for that do you have a schedule for it or is it you know yeah um and it definitely goes off like the seasons you know always have a crazy summer the fall you know we get a pretty busy fall too the winter time is definitely a time that we utilize to make modifications to the lines Mm -hmm. so we try to utilize that time to change certain things um all that kind of stuff. It's definitely been a big conversation lately. Mm-hmm. So pretty fun um, to think about. <laughs> well, as you know, around here with freeze thaw, we we definitely kind of felt like a bit of a hamster in a wheel last winter trying to keep the outdoor lines open. And mm-hmm. we'll probably lean more this year towards keeping them predominantly closed and doing more modifications or um, extra work on them that we can do over the winter. But you know, luckily for us, we do have the canopy area, which is, right. you know. Not as affected. No, it's not as affected. It's protected from the elements more. It's an easier space to maintain mm-hmm. uh, on a daily basis and get open. And then additionally, it's nice because in the winter, we have lights in there. So we can stay open and people can come after work even when it's dark at 5 o'clock. And, yeah, that's you important. Know, get a session in. So. Yeah, like some, some parts of the year, it's. 110 percent just maintenance you know mm-hmm. trying to keep everything buttered and running it the best we can and then other times a year you know in the fall time you know stuff doesn't dry out as bad it doesn't require as much maintenance it mm-hmm. opens us up to be able to work on different project and definitely exciting new things so very cool yeah and as far as the rest of the year and not just when a jam is happening you have other programs, camps, or events that, that, that come up or that, that you do seasonally? Yeah, so we have um, summer camps all summer long, uh, or eight weeks out of the summer, and those are for youth and young kids. And then we have after-school programs in the fall and the spring, both on the climbing side and the riding side. And we have like adult, we do an adult boulder league in the climbing gym and we're trying to kind of build more of those regular nights um, in the bike park as well. We have a she sends night, we send night, 
and BIPOC Sins Night went every Monday, each Monday of the nice. month. Very cool. And we're, you know, in the fall last year and some in the spring, maybe in the winter a little bit, we did a couple of late night canopy jams so that we have um, discounted night where people can come and ride later with the lights on in the canopy and some of those smaller events. But other than that, most of our events are either facility-wide, like our anniversary throwdown is in February. Mm -hmm. And then we've had some climbing gym events, but no other dedicated bike park events at this time. Nice. For now. For now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We did have a conversation with, you know, several pros over this past year when COVID happened, a couple of them, the clinics didn't work out, but we spoke to actually David Lieb um, at the jam about coming back and possibly doing a clinic and with Tommy Zula again mm -hmm. and some things like that, that'll be fun to draw more people here and um, offer some opportunities there. Yeah, on the event spectrum in general, we're just trying to support the scene, you know, as we're associated. So, right, right. Um, yeah, we can be real dynamic with events. You know, last year we might have had a ton of events. This year we might, you know, mm -hmm. modify them to just match right. our scene. So, well, touching back on what you said earlier, we're not trying to do everything. We're trying to do what we do really well, yeah, you know, and, and kind of hone in on that. And we're kind of finding our feet mm -hmm. in that. And um, it feels really good. Kind of feels like we know who we are now. Good, and, good, very good. Yeah. So that's the goal. So obviously, this park caters to all the skill levels. I was going to ask you guys what progression advice you would give to a beginner that was coming to the Riveter. Hmm. <laughs> I would say basically definitely take your time. You know, if someone came up to me and they just bought a bike, you know, a month ago and they're just learning how to ride rollers and berms and stuff like that and interested in riding like the type of stuff that we're about, I would just tell them take your time and really feel it out. Most importantly, like ride and get mm -hmm. your laps in. I feel like beginners are in search of and taking so much information in the beginning of their, you know, riding that um, that they're always like actively thinking about how to apply it even like while they're physically riding. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, building the correct habits and all that's important. But um, however, like I feel like experiencing it and really getting a feel for what they're doing is just as important and progression will come you know you know i always tell people like to like relax a little bit and just just ride just take your time out. feel it out mm -hmm. like you'll get it so i like that yeah and then the other end of that you get the people that come that are really good mountain bikers possibly and um or for example and they come here and it's very different and so kind of echoing that come in and feel it out, take your time. Um, you know, the dirt jumps are like concrete and people aren't used to that. Um, <laughs> so we definitely encourage people, we give everybody an orientation that comes here and we encourage them to start on the green line no matter how good you are. Right. <laughs> no matter what you ride in Pisgah, mm -hmm. start on the green. Yeah, I know a lot of very good mountain bikers that cannot make it to a pump track and it, it's humbling yeah. And honestly, I think it's a feeling that a lot of people could benefit from, you know, just kind of yeah. being taken back down to the nuts and bolts of pushing a bike and making it stay in motion. Absolutely. Yeah. On, on the other side, I know some, you know, riders that can ride 25 foot sets, mm -hmm. but they can't make it through like a technical section on a trail. <laughs> <laughs> They're not losing their minds. So. One rock. Uh -huh. so, yeah. 
I need names. <laughs> <laughs> Advice for an intermediate in that situation? Um, we, we get a ton of intermediate riders, and um, they're a little bit more comfortable. They realize, you know, a lot of, since a lot of beginner riders, they're not even sure what the scene is like. Mm-hmm. So they're, you know, they might think that they're showing up to a situation where people are going to be judging them or potentially, you know, yes, the intimidation treating factor. them a certain way. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, this is the riding scene. So it's shortly thereafter, they're pretty comfortable. Good, good. <laughs> so, um, you know, once they start to progress and they get to that intermediate level, they're already pretty comfortable. They're just like genuinely interested in getting better at riding. So... I always just tell them to ride with people that are better than them. Mm-hmm. Run trains with riders that are better. And yes, one of you know the perks of riding here mm-hmm. is you can run trains all day with whoever. You know, just get in the back, riding lines like that. So that's um, super important. Uh, to this day, I, I've ridden jumps and mountain bikes and BMX bikes my whole life. I still have to have a toe in yeah. for a brand new jump that I've never hit before. I mean, I, I, maybe it's a depth perception thing that I have, but I just, I have to follow somebody in the first time. Definitely. Yeah. That's the first thing EJ brought up. She's like, uh, following people. I'm like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah. that was, you know, in my vision of building this bike park was what we don't have in riding that we have in climbing is you can watch people right, right. and you can see how they move their bodies, see how they position themselves, mm-hmm. um, learn different technique and style of, you know, advanced climbers. Cause I was a climber first. And so that was what I wanted to be able to do here is watch people that are mm-hmm. better than me. And cause on the trail, they're gone. Right. <laughs> and no matter where you're at out here, you've got pretty good sight lines that you can, pretty well see just about anything from most vantage points totally yeah then you go find your people and yeah jump on their train and <laughs> we get yeah. that from intermediate riders a lot too like they'll look at some of the bigger lines mm-hmm. you know they're pretty excited they want to ride everything so they'll be like oh i don't know about that line and we'll just be like just wait till you see somebody hit it then you'll yeah. be like oh mm-hmm. all right yeah uh-huh. exactly yeah go like fast be, trail yeah. speed don't get stiff yeah like it might look like a huge line but then when you see someone like chilling through it Mm -hmm. then you're like a little less intimidated right (laughs) totally and for anybody that gets bored because they can make it through anything here what what do you have to say to them (laughs) show us your best trick Uh, (laughs) go ride and stay out of the bar (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah, no i i don't think we've found anybody yet that's gotten i mean the guys that work with us ride here all the time and I don't haven't found anybody that's gotten bored of it yet. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there's endless transfers and different things you can do in the canopy. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I think we're definitely going to keep our finger on that though, as we move along, which is part of the reason we added the new expert line is, Mm -hmm. you know, it's all dirt so we can change it. And when the timing's right, we'll ax the line and redo it. Yeah. We're constantly, you know, taking note of all that stuff mm-hmm. so uh, you said my favorite thing there it's dirt and it can be changed yeah. it's like yeah. asphalt pump tracks are great i think that they're awesome for people riding and you know when it's raining and it's kind of wet and stuff like that but it, from the root of it all for me it's it's dirt and you can change dirt if it doesn't work you can fix it and right. it's 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 a it's my favorite medium for for, for things like this. <laughs> well, early on, I was in conversations with Velo Solutions about putting a track here because there wasn't one at the time. Um, 
in this like 300 mile radius. But, um, and because it rains here, it made a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. um, but the reality was that's not what our goal was anyway, is we wanted people to get better at riding and to understand those fundamental things about mm -hmm. pumping and that kind of thing that then translates to trails. And we do want to be able to modify it. I mean, the same as we change the routes in the climbing gym regularly, you know, we want to be able to tweak things and modify them. And I don't think there's any way you get it right the first time if it's going to be fun. You're going to have to keep working on it, right? you know? For sure. Or it's going to be a little bit vanilla. And that's what all the paved pump tracks are to me. Yeah. I mean, they're, they are fun and they work well. It's yeah. just, it feels, yeah, I guess vanilla. I think that that's probably the perfect word for it. Which vanilla is good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If that's what you're wanting, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And we like messing with stuff all the time. So it's yeah. nice to be able to like change the current lines and modify them as we see, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's been one of the funnest parts about since we opened really is just watching how everybody rides everything and who rides it mm -hmm. and modifying stuff accordingly. So it's been pretty fun. That covers all my curiosity. Is there anything you guys want to add? Yeah, just all that we've been talking about, you know, we're an ever evolving park. So we're constantly going to be doing that stuff. So constantly modifying lines, constantly changing stuff, building new stuff. I think that's what makes this type of place special. So for certain. Yeah. yeah and I just encourage anyone that listens to give us the feedback, you know, and um, we want to stay connected to the people that come here mm -hmm. and we're not building it for the 40 of us that work here. You know, we want to build it for everybody. So but you got to keep those 40 people entertained as well. Yes, yeah. we, will, we will do our best to keep them all happy. <laughs> nice. But thank you for having us on here. Yeah, thank you, you guys for coming out it. to the Harvest Jam. For sure. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Definitely been fun. <laughs>
be able to hang out with the family, ride bikes, do some climbing, you know, just, just fun activities for everyone. Yep, for sure. And with it being the end of the summer, what's the weather starting to look like? Well, uh, we always have that quote, false fall, followed by a second summer. And this week, I'm not going to say it's a second summer, but, you know, we've got highs, you know, hitting 80 throughout the week with lows down in the very high 50s, low 60s. The weekend shows a little bit of rain showers coming in on Saturday and then a major cool off for the rest of the weekend and early of next week with highs in like the mid 60s, some lows getting down to the 40s. So yeah, so maybe this is our short second summer going into a full fall, if you will. Yeah, either way, it's open windows time, so. I had to shut the window to record this episode, so yeah. (laughs) Right on. Well, guys, that is a wrap on this week's episode. And as always, you can find us on social media. Just search Physica Podcast. And we've got an awesome web store going on with koozies, t-shirts, and, you know, five bucks going to Pisgah Area Sorba. So just hit up pisgahpodcast.bigcartel.com. And if you ever started going to a bike park and accidentally became a rock climber, go ahead and click subscribe, share with your friends, and buy them a listen to Pisgah t-shirt. I did go to Ariana. Talk to you.